Welcome to the first NAOP Silicon Valley podcast. Today we sit down with Molly Ricker. Molly is a partner of Doe Start Development Company, where she has overseen about a billion dollars of commercial office development and investment in Silicon Valley and the peninsula. Her responsibilities are leading acquisitions, managing entitlements, and directing the firm's leasing, construction, and financing activities. Molly currently serves as the president of NAOP Silicon Valley and happens to be the first female president. Congrats. And she additionally serves as member of the National Industrial and Office Product Council for ULI, San Francisco Commercial Product Council for ULI, Stanford Professionals in Real Estate, or SPIRE. Molly also serves on the board of the Representation Project. Earlier in her career, Molly was an investor with Francisco Partners LP, a technology-focused private equity firm, and worked investment banking at Goldman Sachs prior. Molly received her MBA with the Stan- from the Stanford Graduate School of Business and her BA in Economics and Latin American Studies with distinction from Yale University. Wow. <laughs> Molly, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, there's not really a roadmap established here, and I just thought something maybe fun to get into is people know you as the big president of NAOP Silicon Valley. I uh, was hoping to start with a few kind of just fun questions and maybe drill further into like how you got into real estate. Then maybe we'll go into some NAOP stuff if that works for you. Uh, let's start off with we're getting through COVID here. It's June 2021. And uh, I kind of think of the places I missed traveling for the past 24 months. Do you have a single favorite place you've traveled to and why? Uh, I think a good, a good topic to start with because we have been going absolutely stir crazy. Um, but probably the favorite place I've ever been is way back on on my honeymoon, you know, 15 years ago. We spent half of it in the Maldives on a little island called Doni Bigili with only six bungalows. Each one came with a fishing boat. And my husband and I just went out on the water and fished and drank every day. That sounds like a pretty rough, rough life situation. So this was... And I thought I heard you say earlier, this was the first part of your honeymoon. Well, you haven't met my husband, who's quite the travel planner, but it was actually the second half. So he's a big traveler and heavy-duty, like, deep-sea fisherman is what this sounds like. Cool. Yeah, well, I think I was a fisherman first, but he does it with me. Things I never knew. Cool. Uh, Another thing that maybe people listening don't know, I've noticed you happen to drive a pretty badass car. And I'm thinking back on a discussion you and I had at this point several years ago, pre-pandemic, about being on a racetrack, which, you know, surprised me. What's the fastest you've driven a car and where was it? Um, You know, doing the Formula Four uh, race lessons lessons at Sonoma Raceway. Yeah. I don't know if it was actually the fastest I've ever driven. I don't think we actually pushed the 160 or 160 five miles an hour that those cars are supposed to go. Yeah. But in, you know, an open cart, it sure felt like the fastest, <laughs> fastest I've ever driven. Okay. One of these days but. I want to grow up to be half as awesome as Molly. <laughs> uh, another kind of like nerdish question here is it seems like everyone's kind of living off their iPhone these days, whether it's managing schedules, responding to emails at midnight to put together podcasts. Um, Do you have any favorite apps on your phone you simply couldn't live without or become more valuable over COVID? Um, Well, interestingly, my favorite app on my phone became less useful over COVID. 
I'm I'm a big like weather and traffic nerd and the suddenly not applicable. (laughs) The Sig Alert app, even though I don't think it's been updated in four years, it still is absolutely the best traffic app. But um, never used. It's all just green now. So was it all the highways are green? Supplanted by anything more awesome, useful, or interesting? Um. More interesting is probably um, the Sky Guide app. I have no idea what that is. Uh, you can, it helps you see the constellations. Wow. Okay, an astronomer and, and you deep can sea see fisherwoman. 3D and yeah, I mean, I have a six-year-old, so okay, cool. That was that was actually more useful during COVID than my Sig Alert traffic app. Fair enough. That's awesome. Uh, and then also iPhone-based, aside from obviously the Silicon Valley podcast, which will be your new favorite, uh, what other podcasts do you routinely listen to, and why do you find them interesting? Um, I listen to a ton of podcasts. I'm a, I'm a commuter. Um, so You're not I, the only one. Yeah. No, no. Um, you know, the podcasts that I listen to to sort of keep, keep me up to date are, you know, PTI for sports, right? Um, still processing for kind of pop culture. It's a couple of, you know, culture writers at the New York Times who make me able to have conversations about what might be going on outside of business. Yep. Um, and then, you know, standbys like Freakonomics, Planet Money, um, Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History. There's so much out there. I'm guessing you listen to these like five a day and you read two. You put me to shame. Ridiculous. If you want, if you want one just like a, a bubblegum candy kind of fun podcast, my newest one is Scam Goddess. Never heard of her. <laughs> no, like, but I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It'll it'll give you a laugh. I'm all about becoming more rounded. Now that I have to host this thing. <laughs> uh, lighter topic. Aside from what we've already touched on, uh, what do you do for fun? Uh, I mean, I kind of want to clarify, like, pre- or post-COVID, because going to live music concerts <laughs> used to be something I did for fun, and hopefully we'll do again. Yeah, let's let's talk life without COVID, because I think that's what we're all really looking forward to. Like, I'm hearing, yeah, live concerts, driving Formula 4 cars. Well, K- KTM Crossbow has to be the next, right? <laughs> Her and I talked about this earlier, and now she's, like, basically going to go out and invest in a race suit and... You know, you'll see her in NASCAR probably in two or three years. The real <laughs> estate thing, you know, keeps going well. Uh, but uh, so you do the cars. Any other fun? I re- mean, one of my most, one of my favorite things to do that I've actually been able to do during COVID too is playing golf with my husband, but now actually with our daughter too. Oh, cool. I would not have imagined that a six-year-old would have the patience for golf. Turns out. I mean, I'm not saying she's any good necessarily, but she, she loves it. Yeah. She loves it. And so now we can actually go out all, all three of us and she can make it through 14, 15 holes. That's quite a bit. And to play a full-size course, these aren't mini courses, right? No, yeah. no, right. No, because the, the smaller courses, the nine holes, you have to walk usually. Okay, so and she's definitely part, definitely part of keeping a six-year-old on the golf course is the cart and the... The snack person who dogs. comes by, yeah, yeah the, you know, the Doritos and the candy. That's why half the adults on the go- golf course go there as well. It's not yeah. just kids. Yeah, yeah. She understands the game. That's awesome. And especially being able to do it as a family. 
So Molly, it sounds like originally you're maybe not from the West Coast. What brought you to the Bay Area? Uh, I moved out here for a job a few years out of undergrad. I was you know, doing the investment banking thing in New York and both wanted to try private equity and I wanted to move somewhere different. And I couldn't think of a more different place from New York than California. But you were saying something like interesting I've never heard a junior investment banker say, which is along the lines of, I enjoyed sleeping under my desk. It's not that I enjoyed sleeping under my desk, but I, I was I was the total dork that all the other analysts couldn't stand because I thought investment banking was amazing. amazing. I, you know, they were paying me more than they should pay a 22-year-old with no experience. You know, I got to sit in board meetings. I was living in New York. You know, I, I thought it was the life because yeah. I didn't realize how much better it could be to not be an investment banker. Fair enough. And what you were doing uh, investment banking-wise, was it somewhat related to real estate or entirely unrelated? Uh, unrelated. I was I was in the tech group. You know, I'd done an internship there in college and... Um, before the dot-com bust, the tech group was the cool group to be in, so yeah. I was excited to, to get a full-time job there. Um, didn't stay that way during my tenure. We got you know, folded into another group, became part of a TMT, and yeah. survived. No, I, I, here on that front. Uh, and from the East Coast, doing the investment banking at Goldman, to Bay Area, you talked about that move, but... What piqued your interest? Was there a single thing where you ultimately said, hey, I want to get into commercial real estate, or is this something that's been a part of your life or you've been curious about? I tried really hard not to go into commercial real estate. Um, really? Yeah. My, my father's a commercial real estate developer, so I grew up around it um, and therefore assumed or tried not to do it. Um, okay. I, didn't, I didn't actually come into the business formally till after business school. Okay. And I, I guess that's a perfect segue to, did you just start knocking on doors and show up at like Doe's start? And he's, hey, here, welcome. You're a partner. Like, how, how did you two meet? Uh, and I'm sorry, I should provide some context. Uh, Molly's a partner at Doe's start, as is Steve Doe's start. Uh, and just more, more specifically, uh, how did you guys meet and get to where you are today? Well, you know, I, I tried to meet him on like an informational interview when I was a student, but he never responded to my, any of my emails. This is when you were at Stanford. When I was at Stanford, day, yeah. Which is right down the street from their office, by the way. Right. Yeah. Um, but I just, I had the good fortune. I was taking a real estate development class that um, Mark Kroll and Jeff Birdwell and Drew Hudasek from Saris Regis teach. And Mark was my mentor. And he just happened to get an email forward to him that had been from Steve, who was looking to hire a junior, you know, junior developer for the first time. Yeah. And so... That's the email that Steve responded to. It was one from Mark that said, "Hey, I know you don't. You say you don't want to hire someone right out of school, but I've got someone you ought to meet." And then politely, did you respond to that email and then affix the prior emails you had sent him, or no? Absolutely not. Come on, Are you kidding okay. me? Well, you know, I, a New Yorker from investment banking, I, I've heard of such things before. I'm not a New Yorker. I just lived there. I'm sorry. Two years. A little tough, you <laughs> know. Molly, we were talking about. Uh, you getting to dough start here, and you've been in the industry for a while. Uh, folks that have been in the game for quite some time here have their favorite and least favorite parts of real estate. Uh, what's your favorite part? I mean, it's easy to say, you know, the tangible product that you get to see what you're working on. Um, but even more than that, my favorite part about being a developer is that 
it's so purely entrepreneurial every time. Like every project is is like a new business. It's like a, a new venture um, that you get to create from the start to finish. Yeah, no, I mean, it, you see what it takes to get these deals together, to execute well, and you do so once, and to keep doing that repeatedly. I think once you've done it, there's like a new appreciation or humility built for it. And um, I mean, is that something you knew kind of going into this or after really the first one or two executions that kind of came front of mind? I mean, do you understand what I'm asking there? I mean, I I already knew I liked the deal business. Yep. That's what I liked about investing, even not in real estate. I love deals, yeah. love negotiating. Um, I love the puzzle of it. I did... I didn't really know how much I would like kind of having your own business every time and right. the, the unique elements to that apply. Yeah. 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 It, it stretches kind of every piece of your creativity and your paranoia and <laughs> packs, yeah. packaging them up all together. Yeah. And I mean, just this podcast, it, it makes you really think about having gone through a few of these deals. I think the one thing I'm struck by is not only is there the entrepreneurial thing for each of these one-off deals, there's the number of languages you have to be capable of speaking for each one. And you have to be street smart enough to like assemble like parcels. You have to be able to deal with construction, finance, law, and the stuff you don't know, you have to have enough humility to step back and try to find out. And I think that's just another cool piece of this kind of it's a broader piece of that entrepreneurial thing that I think you're alluding to, which is awesome. And, it, and it's, I mean, it's not really even about humility. Like the best developer isn't going to be the best at <laughs> any of those individual things because what you have to be the best at is the best, you know, conductor of the orchestra. Yeah. Every person you hire, every person on your team has an expertise that is deeper than yours is. So your magic has to be bringing it all together. But to doing, being able to do that repeatedly and kind of the spirit associated with that for each one of these is really what keeps you going through them. Yeah. Got it. So, Molly, uh, do you have a favorite project you've done and why? I'm not kidding to say I'm working on my favorite project right now. Um, we have a new development that we're going to be breaking ground on this fall at, uh, in downtown Burlingame, 220 yeah. Park. And it just has all the ingredients to, to make it both the most interesting and complicated, but the most rewarding project we've ever done. And interesting and complicated in what regard, like the parcels you had to assemble, the political process you had to navigate. Um, not that we need to go like down to the five, five foot level from 50,000 feet, but just curious. I mean, it is, it's right in the heart of their downtown. Um, it includes... Uh, preservation of part of a historic post office that we partially take apart, put on rails, you know, move off site okay. to dig an underground garage, move it back, build up a six story office building around it, um, all while being in the middle of the downtown. Um, and then the other thing that's been really interesting and really rewarding has been um, uh, having a joint venture partner on this. We're doing this in a 50 50 JV with Saris Regis. Yep. And Steve and I haven't JV'd with another developer before. Um, I would have thought that there would be more, you know, heads knocking or 
egos or something, but yeah. we've had so much fun, That's honestly, awesome. working together. And, you know, 90% of the time, I love that we have a small firm. Yep. Turns out with the right people, it's fun to have more people on the team. You <laughs> learn more. It's a better project. And, you know, the, the folks at Stairs Regis, they're smart. They're really good at what they do. And I think it's a better project because we're all working on it. Like Stanford, Yale smart or? Everything smart. <laughs> Don't I okay. You know, I just Stanford, have to twist the knife yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Holistically smart. Okay. And uh, for those of you listening that are curious to see what this thing looks like, uh, Molly was kind enough to actually send me a link. And if you want to go check it out, there's a quick, really cool uh, animation done just to kind of wrap your brains around what this thing looks like. Oh, no. No? No, no. That was for you. <laughs> you can send it to the website, which it eventually the, the, um, the video has it, it hasn't been released yet. Oh, that's okay. Our, that's our... Sneak peek. We've said to our, to our equity partners, but it's not getting blasted. Okay, until, fine. For it's two still weeks, top secret. They, we still will not give it to you, and we'll put it www.220parkburlingame.com. You can go to that when the video is public. Said, said better than I ever could. So uh, check <laughs> check that out when it's uh, public and available, and I won't <laughs> spill the classified information here. Uh, top secret. <laughs> And to more general uh, professional uh, questions here, we've got uh, best advice you've ever received, and who'd you get it from? Personal advice or professional advice? Good distinction. Let's stick with professional. And if there's something really profound on the personal, drop it real quick. No, the the personal was more funny. (laughs) Drop it. We can always edit it out later. I'm very happily married. And therefore, the best personal advice I think I ever got was um, from my now husband and friend's best friend. Okay. Uh, who told me, because I was dating someone else, he said, <laughs> ditch like the baggage, trade up. And I've that seems like a bumper sticker years. or life advice. <laughs> Maybe they're one and the same, um, but that has had a major impact, obviously, on your life in a good way. I hear you. Uh, we'll probably edit that out. No, I think it's staying for sure. <laughs> and then on the, the professional side, anything uh, noteworthy that is kind of informed, like how you develop, how you develop others, what you do, and how you do it? I mean, some of the best advice... I received professionally that was before I was even in real estate was, um, you know, to find to find a mentor to to value the experience you know of others, yep. um, and all the businesses I've worked in have been apprenticeship businesses. Real estate development is absolutely an apprenticeship business. Yeah, um, you know, I'm lucky to have been mentored by and now be partners with the smartest guy I know. Yeah. Um, and that's that's how you learn the business. It's it's experience and being around someone who's done it a lot more than you. Yep. That that's how you learn. Yeah, it's awesome and profound. And you do work at a smaller firm. How many people does Dostart have? Are we six, I think. Okay. Uh, and you mentioned pros and cons of being at a smaller firm. Uh, what are the pros? I get to do everything. <laughs> and that's Build just, buildings, run OAC meetings, buy insurance. Yeah. 
Uh, that is, and that's why, that's my personality. Yeah. Um, that I like being a jack of all trades. I like owning a project from beginning to end. And, you know, if it means in the morning we're having big strategic discussions about an investment or the market and, you know, that night I'm up at midnight listening to various music tracks for said uh, marketing video <laughs> for Burlingame. And then, it's going to be know. hard enough for this podcast, let alone for marketing video. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, forcing my husband to also listen to the different options and, you know, coming at up midnight. with that. Like, that, that's fun. It's fun. That's what, that's what makes this project, what makes this business fun. That's awesome. Cool. Uh, well, I think we've gotten to know you a hell of a lot better than if we were just hanging out in the audience of uh, NAOP Lunch here. Uh, let's get a little bit into NAOP Silicon Valley. And for the benefit of the listeners, this is really directed towards chapter members of NAOP Silicon Valley. But can you just walk potentially other uh, listeners here through who NAOP is, uh, who the Silicon Valley chapter is, uh, just real high level? Yeah, so, you know, NAOP Silicon Valley is um, is the local commercial real estate organization. that, um, And I kind of think about what we do in two parts. There's kind of what you see that we do and, and what we do that you don't see. Um, you know, what, what you see is um, our networking events and ways to connect people, um, to have conversations and build relationships with the people who matter for your business yeah. in commercial real estate. Um, you know, what you see are education opportunities to, to learn about um, what I'm going to say here. Uh, no, I, th- I think there's there's education, there's networking, and I think uh, we'll go into this a little later on in the discussion. There's definitely uh, kind of a newer found emphasis, I believe, on uh, public policy outreach and coordination amongst members, at least locally in the Valley. Yeah. Um, um, oh, so that's so what I was saying. So on, that's that's what you don't see, and that's what yeah. what NAOP, Silicon Valley does that I didn't see until, frankly, I joined the board. Yeah. Um, you know, for for those of us just running our business every day. Yeah. Um, we don't have time to follow and to to read twenty different news sources. And to, uh, and, yeah. You know, and especially in the Valley when there's all these different submarkets, um, let alone what's going on at a state level. And you know, NAOP is focused on tracking and providing input and building relationships with, yeah. you know, different politicians so that, you know, you as a member don't have to. Yeah, no, and I think that's been a huge change that, again, for the benefit of the listener, listener I, I was pretty ignorant of personally until I started kind of working to put this podcast together and becoming more aware of uh, a lot of the initiatives that Molly and the rest of the Silicon Valley board is putting together. And again, we'll get into that a little later on here in the podcast. Uh Let's talk a little bit about your role as president. Uh, what's the term you're facing? What are some initiatives that you find to be really important? Uh, and we can go into like structurally some of the other things we're doing, but I'll be quiet and just listen. Well, I first want to say I, I feel like I am um, lucky to have started my term as president um, on the back half of COVID, COVID. coming out of it. <laughs> um, Dick Scott, who was our president last year, um, so much respect to him. Yeah. Um, you know, 
I'm sure he had plenty of, of big plans and what he thought was going to happen in 2020. And, yeah. you know, only a little more than a couple months in, he had to help the, the entire organization pivot uh, from the way that we've been operating for years and years. Um, and, and I think just even pausing you for a second there, is it fair to say you guys kind of went through this uh, pretty in-depth evaluation of what you have been and in, evaluated it and figured out where you're going and I think this is probably a really good opportunity to go into maybe a quick rehash of historically what we've done and then some of the new legs we're adding on to some of our programming. So public policy, it seems like, is a new initiative. What are, what are you guys doing in that realm? Well, first I would say it's, it's not that it's a new initiative. What I would say is that over the last couple of years, the chapter has really professionalized and formalized how we focus on public policy, um, uh, bringing on Adessa as a public policy consultant who is tasked with following what's going on in, in the different markets and coming back to the board and the public policy subcommittee of the board um, and gathering input and, and getting it back out to, to local elected officials. Right. And so let's define what the uh, reach of her local public policy initiatives will be? Is that from Mountain View to South San Jose out to Milpitas, Fremont? Uh, what will the revised geography for her kind of political outreach be? Members are doing business all over Santa Clara County yep. um, and Menlo Park and Redwood City. Then um, that has been a bit of a change in the last few years that, um, that kind of Silicon Valley, the reach of it keeps stretching northward a bit. Yeah. Um, San Jose will always be a big focus for us. It, you know, it's it's such a big market and there are yep. so many of our members who have a lot of business there. Yep. Um, but there are members doing business all over the county. Okay. And so those, those efforts will become more solidified and focused in those geographies coming out of COVID. And I think an idea I'll put before you kind of in the board ultimately as we get this podcast rolling more is getting Adessa on whether that's quarterly or semi-annually so that folks can consume maybe supplementally to email blasts what the latest and greatest is because to your earlier point these each of these cities within Santa Clara can have so very very different policies different initiatives at any given point in time and the fact that you and the board are trying to get ahead of that I think is a huge value to members doing what we do every day so uh, we'll keep you know all the listeners posted on that. We've gone through the public policy initiative. Uh, what are some other areas that the chapter is really active that people might not be aware of? I'm thinking, you know, I got I got into this podcast thing through some familiarity at the board level, uh, representing the developing leader program. Uh, can you just walk listeners through a little bit of what that is, how successful or not you think it's been, and even some changes that might be coming up that way? I'm going to use this as the chance to turn the, inter- the interview <laughs> around on you. because Please don't. <laughs> I, if our listeners don't know, Brett um, was an incredible leader of the DL program. Um, Lies. And that has, it grew a lot under your time. So when you I would spin love to signs hear. on the corner of 237 and 101, people will join just about anything. But uh, no, so I, I, I don't know what the numbers of growth were. I think the only initiative I can really recount that was different from before I got involved was 
this outreach to local universities that I'm kind of aware of in some context for you all listening. I'm no longer on the board. Uh, Nick Menchel, who's with Lane Partners, is kind of uh, running the show these days. Uh, but he had a really good idea, which is uh, reach out to some local colleges, I believe identified as San Jose State, Santa Clara, Stanford, uh, if they're willing to uh, get down to the Valley, and Menlo College, and to facilitate, hopefully, you know, depending on how COVID pans out here, uh, a university case study at some point, twofold. One is to get folks uh, younger, interested in real estate locally. You're getting these great academic institutions that are um, pushing out some very quality men and women that we're hoping to attract, but uh, also to impart some real industry knowledge on the academic world, uh, you know, and also bring in uh, fresh blood to the organization. I think there's a huge benefit uh, just because there are some people that have been in the industry for a long time. And uh, we need the young blood coming in instead of vectoring off to technology and all these other uh, local uh, career options. So Molly, we've talked about the DLs. Um, I know Chris Gandy is running with uh, kind of a, not nebulous, but better defined initiative to engage with professionals that are senior to DLs, but kind of below, uh, like managing director, uh, board level, out members just to make it more relevant because historically it's been showing up to in-person lunches which have been great um, I just think the sense I've gotten in speaking with other board members is you're trying to create some engagement so what's the whole program uh, the board's doing and Chris is running uh, to engage with that section of membership yeah we're, we're creating kind of more opportunities to connect and learn um, I've kind of called this piece like the the, the missing middle that yeah. Naop has Naop Silicon Valley has um, a, an incredible board, an incredibly active board, um, and so many senior, experienced people in the industry. Right. Um, we have to keep we have to keep that right. kind of that network together, and yeah. um, and we want to have more events and more ways to. Con- keep developing relationships and connections right. within the industry. So, And so near term, there's going to be uh, like in-person walking tours. Yeah. And then eventually it sounds like the ambition is to do uh, roundtable targeted lunches or dinners uh, for folks kind of in that you know age bracket or career bracket, however you want to define it, uh, that are accretive to the people showing up. And so I think it's the, the whole idea, if I understand right, is like smaller groups where you can talk, whether it's uh, sales, financings, things like that. Uh, so more to follow there. Uh, I should note that I believe the podcast is part of that broader uh, engagement. And the, the idea here is It to, is. You're, you're under that umbrella, Brett. Hopefully it doesn't collapse. <laughs> uh, but the idea kind of in this podcast is to have three major verticals, if you will. Uh, one is to talk to the people, which... We have the pleasure of having Molly here today. Uh, the other is to talk about the knowledge. And then lastly, the deals, whether they be sales or leases. Uh, so you should expect kind of subsequent podcasts fall into one of those three general categories. Uh, there'll be some structure to it. And frequency, uh, we'll probably do uh, these quarterly initially and then hopefully monthly thereafter. So uh, we're always looking for feedback and uh, we'll provide a mechanism for members to provide suggestions that are relevant. So you can get some more entertaining guests later in the year. <laughs> yeah, we'll think up a few here. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, any other kind of engagement initiatives on your mind uh, that the listeners should be aware of? Well, I'm really excited 
about the fall because I have real optimism that we're going to have our events back in person. Yeah. Um, you know, September 9th, we've got calendared for yep. our flagship barbecue. And it, the Nayop barbecue was honestly the event, the first Nayop event I ever went to. Yep. It was my introduction to Nayop. I had barely been working with Steve for a couple of months when he said, right. ah, you got to put the barbecue on your calendar. <laughs> That's where anybody that we care about, anybody that you know, we want to talk to, they're all going to be there. Well, that's such a, like, as you said, like low key, cool way, especially coming out of COVID, assuming you've got your shot, <laughs> you can get there and uh, really just talk to people that you haven't caught up with at this point for better part of two years live. And whether it's just see what people have been doing deal wise, uh, if they've been able to get out, it's just a low pressure, cool way. And historically, these are at like people's homes. I think this year, Correct me if I'm wrong. It's Irvine and it's their Santa Clara Square deal. Yeah, we're okay. we're really grateful to have Irvine hosting us again. Yeah. So I mean, I think it'll be a cool venue. Um, yeah, as Molly was saying, I think it's September 9th. Check the NAOP website. I'm sure there'll be an email blast here and register. Uh, are there any other uh, programs you guys are thinking in person? Hopefully, coming into the end of the year. Yeah. Well, we're going to have another um, golf tournament, which was something we actually you know, were able to have in person last year. It was our, our first time. It was kind of an experiment. Yep. And the attendees loved it. They had a great time. And honestly, the most critical feedback was, unsurprisingly, want to have more people, want to be able to <laughs> hang out and have a happy hour and, you know, grab a drink afterwards, which because of COVID, you know, we couldn't. But yeah. um, this year, I think we, we can. And, you and know, that's slated for October the 6th, correct? O- October 6th, yeah. Okay. Again, check website. We'll update depending on COVID and all this other stuff. But. Yeah. But, I, you know, I'm just like so many people I'm already enjoying the beginning of back to being in person. And I think the fall right. is is, um, is going to be great. I mean, no one goes into real estate because they want to sit behind a computer all day. Um, <laughs> we all get energy from being out, being around projects, um, you know, being with people. Yes. Right? That's why we're in the business. Agreed. Uh and then I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just looking through the rest of the uh, calendar here. Folks should be aware, uh, University Challenge, per what Molly was saying earlier, could be virtual or in-person, but that's scheduled for some time in November, and hopefully... Uh, I'm going to call it in-person. <laughs> I like the uh, certitude there, and we'll make it happen. And uh, more information to follow. We'll keep you guys updated. Uh, to the extent you guys need more information on who NAOP is, what we do... Uh, locally, who's on the board, the companies involved, feel free to check out the website. It's https colon slash slash naiopsv.org. And uh, again, I can't thank Molly enough for sharing her time, rolling the dice on this first episode. Really looking forward to the feedback and the uh, service here to the membership and growing it a little bit as a consequence. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me.